Thank you, Lord Jesus. See, just what we keep our eyes on is a symbol of our faith. See, that shows where faith is at. When you've got the mully grubs in your mouth, when you've got the problems in your mouth, then your faith is in your problems. But you've got to get your faith over on God, for he is the one that has already delivered you. Time to receive what he has given. Amen. You know, after service today, I think we're going over to the Golden Corral for lunch. And they are putting out a bunch of food. But you got to choose to step up to the buffet. Nobody's going to force feed you. Oh, they'll take your money, but they won't force feed you. They won't force you to eat. You're going to have to eat what was laid out there. And that's the way it is with the Lord. He's laid it all out. He said, come to the buffet table. There is health. There is wealth. There is deliverance. There is peace. There is wholeness. There is wellness. It's all at the table. Glory to God. Step up, step up, step up, and take hold of that which he has provided. Amen? Amen, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I tell you, there's nothing like an understanding of the word of God. You know, it's not sitting back and waiting for God to do something. It's stepping up and doing things with God. Amen. Isn't that right? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, there's a song, and, and part of the words of the song that we're actually learning is that heaven comes and fights for you. But actually, the truth is heaven comes to fight with you. He fights with you. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. You know, when the apostle Paul and Silas was in prison, they were, they were in stocks and bonds, not investments, but they were in stocks and bonds in the prison. But at midnight, they lifted up their voices and started praising God. And an earthquake came and shook, it, shook the prison and shook off all their chains and shook the prison doors open. Well, it wasn't heaven coming to fight for them. There was heaven coming to fight with them. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We have a position. We have a place. We are co-workers with him. We do our part. He does his part. He started the ball rolling. He sent Jesus to die for us, shed his blood for us so that we could be free from sin. And now as a child of God, we can walk in the things that God has declared and he will back up that which he has declared. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Well, I don't know about you, but this just cranks me up. Praise the Lord. Because truth will set you free. The truth, the truth of the word of God that you walk in and put into practice will set you free. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, they had a great day at the beach yesterday. Not soaking up rays, but four people made a decision to receive Jesus. One person got filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. More fun in the sun than they ever thought. <laughs> Amen. There was a lot of people prayed for. They had needs and they were prayed for. Seed cards were, were sown and given out. And there was a, definitely a lot of divine appointments that took place. People's needs were addressed right there on the beach. 
And you know God's word does not return to him void. And that which he has declared and that which he has spoken to those people, he'll watch over it to perform it in their life. Isn't that right? Amen. You know, and it's just the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that is just moving, even out on the beach. Amen. And they did this with only four people. Four, only four people. So you imagine if more people showed up to be on the outreach team. That means more people come into the kingdom. Hallelujah. Amen. And they have a proven track record of what works. So don't go out there with your ideas and what you think they ought to do. They got it down. People are getting saved. People coming in the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Just go with the program and it will work well. We've come to realize through the years that it's not how smart we are that makes things work. But it's really about how submitted we are. Submission really makes things work. Agreement makes things work. And any thought that is not of God just ain't smart at all. (laughs) Amen. Amen. How many of you enjoyed the meetings with Terry and Renee Mize? Weren't they awesome? Awesome meetings. They were great. So many golden nuggets to glean from and take hold of. Isn't that right? Amen. You know, a couple of things they talked about just simply, they talked about honor and being honorable in the sanctuary. You know, the sanctuary is so important. A lot of times we look at the sanctuary as Old Testament. No, it's New Testament too. It's called the assembling of the saints together. And that's where the corporate anointing moves. In fact, you'll get more revelation in a corporate anointing than you will sitting at home. You can get some at home, but you'll get more in the corporate anointing. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. You know, being honorable in the sanctuary is not just when the music starts or when the first prayer is said. It's in the sanctuary that you come into those double doors and you're in the sanctuary and it's a place of honor and to be honorable unto the Lord. Isn't that right? You know, the Bible tells us that he walks, he walks through the church, through the midst of the church. So how do you know when you walk in those double doors, he's not on the front row waiting on you? Honor is very important. Being honorable, acting honorably. Amen. Another great thing I found out from the meetings is that God knows more about money than we do. And he don't even need it. He has no need for money, but he knows more about it. He knows how to work it, how to use it, and how to get it to benefit you. Isn't that right? Amen, amen. Hallelujah. And all the teachings of his meetings are all available. We have them all. They're available on flash drives. So uh, each service is individual. Of course, I don't know if you've noticed that, but Terry can talk a long time. And uh, Renee, you have to make her sit down. You know, they get going, don't they? And we love it. That's no problem at all. If I had kids, I'd bring them with, my, with their pajamas. And they'd be sleeping in children's church because I wouldn't miss it. Amen? Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Go find your place at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we will ultimately get there. But over the last few weeks, uh, we talked about the importance of vision, God giving us direction, instruction. Isn't that right? 
and that we have to evaluate what he has given to us and where we are in our life and see where we caught it and where we missed it. Now, when I first got saved, you know, God told me to be in service every time the doors were open. So that was one thing he gave me to do. So it wasn't really hard to keep track of whether I was doing it or not. And there was always opportunities to say, well, I just can't make it tonight. I mean, there were times that, that I would be at work and, you know, I was a mechanic, so I always was a mess after a day of work. And I could always say, oh, I'm getting out of work late. By the time I get home, by the time I change, it's going to be too late to get to church. I could come up with all kinds of excuses. But God said, every time the doors are open, be in church. So I made sure I did that one thing. Well, how many of you know now that it's 42 years down the road? There's more than one thing. And you still have to keep track of from the first thing all the way through and where we're at on our journey. Journey's a big word today. Everybody's on a journey. I just call it, it's living life. You know, uh, uh, it's living life. It's, it's walking in the ways of life, walking in the path of life. And you got to keep track of those things, of where you're at based on what God has told you through the years. Amen. And then you have to realize where you got off track. Because how many of you could say, yeah, we get off track. Now, if you know more than one thing, you're probably raising your hand. If you're not raising your hand, you probably don't want to admit it. (laughs) Uh, Hallelujah. But, you know, you need to see it. And then you need to declare it. This is where I got off track. And then you need to do what's necessary to make the changes based on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. See, that's where the rubber meets the road. Because anybody can say it because talk is everybody can afford it. There's nobody that can not afford talking. So talk is cheap and everybody can say it. And then everybody could see what you need to do to make the changes and say what you need to do to make the changes. I'm not going to get into some of your personal things, which I could right now, but I'm not going to. Because there's a bunch of stuff you've seen and you've said, but you haven't yet done it. That would be, yes, pastor. (laughs) Amen. But the rubber meets the road when you say and do what you said. Amen. But why is that? Why, Why do we see? Why do we say? Why do we see? But we don't do. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, you don't have to make that your confession. Well, you know, it's just my flesh and my flesh is weak. Now, that's the time you rise up and beat the nonsense out of that thing and make it do what it's supposed to do. Now, I don't mean beat it. You know what I'm saying. You got to take control over that flesh. If you know your flesh is weak, then take control over it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where we need to be may require change. In order to get back to where you need to be, it may require change. And the change would be in addition to humbling ourselves and admitting that we're wrong. I mean, for some of us, that could be the hardest thing in the world to admit that I'm wrong. I may finally get around to admitting it to myself, but then I may have to admit it to somebody else. Oh, dear Jesus, help me. 
Well, Lord, you know, they don't really need to know. And we come up with all the reasonings and all the excuses and all the justifications on why we can just sweep it under the rug and it'll be all okay. Well, you know it won't because that pile's getting pretty big under the rug and you've been tripping over it. <laughs> so we might have to make some changes. We might have to humble ourselves. We might have to do some restructuring in our life. You know, you may have to restructure your financial priorities. If there are things in finances that has gotten off track and, and not going the direction it should go in, we may have to restructure some of our financial priorities and not spend the money where we want to. Amen. See, that's a big thing. We might have to restructure how we spend our free time. We might have to restructure the things that we're doing with our own personal interest in order to spend time, more time with our spouse and our family. Don't shout me down. We might have to restructure our eating habits. I know. These are big things. Now, these, these are not really deep, heavy revelations. These are the things that can change your life. Because that eating habit may be creating your health issues. Now, you may not have a health issue today, but your eating habit is bringing you down a road of health issues. Back in uh, the 90s, I would bypass eating dinner so that I could have a rack of Ritz crackers with peanut butter and jelly. I'm like, oh, dear Jesus, I have died and gone to heaven. And I'd be eating that. Ned would, and Pastor Ned, she'd say to me, do you want dinner? Nope. No, I'm good. And I'd be in the kitchen eating Ritz crackers with peanut butter and jelly. And one day, the Spirit of God said to me, if you don't quit this, you're going to really wind up with some health issues. But I don't want to quit it. I like this. <laughs> so I had to make a decision. You know, the Lord won't force you to do it. You got to make the choice. So I had to quit doing those things. It's same thing with bacon. I was eating so much bacon. I mean, I would eat bacon until the grease run down my mouth. I love bacon. And again, the Lord spoke to me about that. Now, he didn't say stop eating bacon. He said, you need to cut down on the amount you're eating. Because I was eating way too much. Now, you might be able to eat all the bacon you want. You might eat all the Ritz crackers, peanut butter, and jelly that you want. Now, you say, well, pastor, why don't you just take authority over that? Over what? What the Lord said? Because that's what we think. Well, I'll just take authority over it. That's not what the Lord said. He said, stop it. So what do you want to do? Take authority over the word of God and just do what you want? That wouldn't be too smart. We might have to restructure things in reordering our time management so that we can fulfill our service to the Lord. You know, service to the Lord to many people just gets on the bottom of the list. If I have nothing else to do, I'll do that. How many of you have had, and you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you have had it on the inside an, an urging to go out with the street ministry, but your time management don't allow you? 
Now, I'm not talking about having to be at work where you are needing to work and they want you at work. I'm not talking about. I'm just talking about your own time management. Hallelujah. Don't shout me down. You know, and then we will want to quote that verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. But we lean to our understanding lots. You know, but yet it's our position in the kingdom to trust in the Lord. Not dispute with him, trust him. Cut down on the bacon, okay. Cut down on that peanut butter and jelly and Ritz crackers. Cut that thing out, okay. Thank God he has not told me to cut out pasta. <laughs> no, it's not coming. <laughs> And I would have to say, okay, if he said that, you know, because life is more than pasta. <laughs> Psalm 37 says, the, good, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Amen. Well, you know, you are a good one, aren't you? Born again, Jesus is Lord of your life. So therefore, you are a good one. And you can claim that promise. This, my steps are ordered of the Lord. So all you have to do then is follow them. See, a lot of people think, well, the Lord lays out the steps and, and he has laid out my life and whatever happens in my life is what the Lord's laid out for me. No, no, that's not true. There's no truth to that. In fact, that's an absolute lie. It's deception. And it's a deception of the devil. It's called doctrines of demons to get you to go along with what the devil wants to happen in your life and you stand back and go, well, that's just the way that it is. And then the devil has free reign in your life. Now, I don't care if you've been taught that all your life. They taught you wrong. And Scripture proves it out. The steps are ordered of the Lord, and he's laid out the path. Now, your choice is, are you going to walk in it? That's your choice. And we do. We take some steps, but then we go to the right, or we go to the left, and we're off track. And we have to get back on track again. Isn't that right? Happens all the time. This is, this is not a put down or a cut down. This is life. And if you think that don't happen to you, you are lying to yourself. You're so totally deceived. It's amazing that you even believe that. I'm obviously talking to somebody on live stream. Nobody in this room. <laughs> I'm talking to you. Okay. Did you find 1 Corinthians 6? If you haven't found it yet, just look on with your neighbor. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, and it talks about us being a born-again creature in Christ. And it says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? See, that's why when the Lord says cut out certain things, I can say, okay, because I'm not my own. I have been bought with a price. Isn't that right? So the Holy Spirit, when you got born again, the Holy Spirit came to dwell inside of you. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. He's your leader. He's your guide. He's your supernatural GPS. Isn't that right? And you know what's so good about the supernatural GPS? You never have to turn it on. It's always on. Amen. He's always working. Always working inside of us. All we have to do 
is pay attention. Amen. You know, on the GPS on my car, I got voice that'll talk to you, or I can hit the button and go, shut up. I don't want to hear you. And I don't. I don't want to hear this thing talk to me and say, turn here, turn here. Yeah, I don't want to hear. I'll go with the GPS. I'll go with the map and all that stuff. But I don't want to hear the voice. But you can do the same thing with the Holy Ghost. You can turn them off so that you don't hear them. And you could turn off the GPS and go, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. You can do that too if you want. But he's your supernatural GPS. If he wasn't important, he wouldn't have come. Isn't that right? Romans 8, 14, very familiar verse. says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Okay? Very simple. Only a son of God can be led by the Spirit of God. And we looked at several ways that the Spirit of God can lead us. Number one, the number one way that he will lead you, the number one way is by the voice of the Word of God speaking to you in his Word. That's the number one way he will lead you. That out of the Word of God will come a revelation, an impartation. It will something that will impact us or leave an impression on us. Direction can come from the Word of God. It's the number one way that He will lead you. Amen. He'll show you through His Word what we need to change, or He'll show us a promise that we need to take hold of as we develop in faith. And sometimes something comes alive in you as you're reading the Word, and it impresses you, but it's something that goes inside of you for a future date. Of course, if it's not in you, the Holy Spirit can't pull it out from you. So it's got to get in you. Isn't that right? Amen. You know, I find that a lot of times, well, let's say number two, let's go to number two. The voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, Acts chapter 16, uh, where it talks about the Holy Spirit forbade Paul to go into Asia. Well, that was only for a time. It was only for a season. It didn't mean forever. Because when you get over to Acts 19, it tells you all of Asia has heard the word. So the word from the Holy Spirit. Now, this is very important. A word from the Holy Spirit does not mean never. Unless, of course, it's never murder this person. (laughs) All right, you know. Never steal from those people. That's breaking the laws of God, so those nevers are in place. But when it comes to the specific leading of things in life, it doesn't mean never. It means for this time. And people have taken the word of God and say, never, 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 I'll never, 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 never. And you got God right there, but you missed him way down the road because you didn't stay current with what he was saying. Yeah, but the Lord doesn't change. That's right, he doesn't. Situations change. You change. Other people change. Other things in life change. Conditions change. Isn't that right? And because those conditions change, then the Lord can lead us in different ways. Amen. It's very important to remember that. It is only current situation. You must stay current with God. Amen. Number three is the voice of the human spirit. The voice of your own spirit. In fact, go over to 1 John chapter 3. 
I think it's verse 20. 1 John 3 and verse 20. It says, In whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Look at verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. So the voice of the human spirit can condemn us or give us confidence. It show us what's right and show us what's wrong. Isn't that right? The more that your human spirit gets trained in the word of God, and again, this is where a lot of people miss it. They think, well, I just have to listen in my heart and everything will be okay. No, it won't. Not if it's not filled with the word of God. You've got to educate the human spirit. You have to be educated, right? So the more we train our human spirit in the word of God, the safer guide it will be through the Holy Spirit's leadership. Again, you get a word, you're in the word of God, something impacts you, something impresses you, but it's not something you can use today. But then later on down the road, the Holy Spirit can take that and lead you through your spirit because of something you heard maybe two months ago. He could take it back out and go, here's, here's what this is about. And this is what you need to do. But if you didn't spend that time in the word, you have nothing in here and the Holy Spirit now can't direct you. So hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit or understanding the direction of God through your human spirit is not a shortcut to the word of God. There is never a shortcut to the word of God. The word of God is the most important. And if we don't know the word of God, then that expression will come into full play. You don't know what you don't know. Well, you know, I'm trying to hear from God, but I don't know. You don't know what you don't know because you don't know. You didn't get it. There's nothing in here. You got to fill up on the word of God. Take some time every day, pull in the gas station, fill up. It's cheaper than what you get out there. Amen. Another way the Spirit of God leads us is the voice of spiritual leaders. Ephesians chapter 4, go over there. Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. The voice of spiritual leaders. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping, which means the maturing and the perfecting of the saints for the work of service or work of ministry to the building up of the body of Christ. So the fivefold ministry gift was given so that the saints, this is the body of Christ, every believer can be equipped, matured, and perfected to do what? To do the work of serving within the body of Christ so that the body can be built up. So he's given us spiritual leaders and um, it's not the person speaking. It is the gift. In fact, if you go back to verse, I think it's eight. Let's look in verse eight. I think that's where it's at. When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. All right, within me, I have the gift of pastor. He's put in me the gift of teaching, and he, every so often the gift of the prophet works. But that's not for me. He put that gift in me for people. Isn't that right? Are you with me? So it's not 
of myself. It's the anointing that teaches us. The anointing that leads to us. The anointing that speaks to us. And what is the anointing? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in me, through me, teaching. Isn't that right? He's the one that's laid out the plan and said, this is what you need to talk about. So, we have to then listen, take hold of what the anointing of the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about through his word. So, either we want the anointing of the Holy Spirit to agree with us, or we want to agree with him. What determines whether we're hearing from the anointing or whether we're hearing from man, the witness of the Holy Spirit within the human spirit. Not an emotion, not a thought, not our own plan, but hearing the Holy Spirit's impression and influence within my human spirit. Amen. Amen. Number five, the last one, is the voice of faith. He leads us through the voice of faith. Having the same spirit of faith, we believe, therefore we speak. I don't understand why people come down, well, you know, that word of faith stuff. They, they, they just believe and they say. Well, that's what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 4. No, wait a minute. We believe, therefore we speak. 4. 2 Corinthians 4. Uh, maybe 10, 11, 12, something like that. Somewhere's in there. We believe, therefore we speak. He says, having the same spirit of faith, we believe, therefore we speak. This is what should lead us in making decisions and choices. Can I or can't I? Should I or shouldn't I? I don't know. What are you believing and saying? Are you with me? Oh, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Oh, there's Jesus. Look at the multitude. I don't know. Maybe I can't do this. But what did your faith say? If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'd be well. And that's what led that woman with the issue of blood through the multitude in her condition. That she was able to press in in her weakened condition through that multitude, not afraid of Jairus being out there, and pressed in to touch the hem of Jesus. Is gone. Why? Because the voice of faith directed her. Are you with me? That's another way. And how does faith come? So you can't be directed by the voice of faith unless you're spending time in the word of God and developing faith. You will always be led or have opportunity to be led by what your faith declares. You will always have the opportunity to be led by what your faith declares. You know, the Bible talks about acting on the word, being a doer of the word. And a lot of times people say, well, how do I do it? Easy. It's going to come down to choices and decisions, probably when you're not even thinking about it. You will be faced with a choice and a decision, and you're not even going to be thinking about what your faith is or what you've been saying, and you're going to make a choice whether it's right or wrong. Now, the problem with this is that Jesus said, you will be judged 
for every idle word you speak. So if you're speaking things and you said you believe that, but it comes to a choice and a decision and you don't choose based on what you said you believed, everything you said you believed is idle and you'll be judged for it. Christianity isn't about yakety yak yak. It's about do. And if you don't do, then you'll be judged for everything you're yakking. That's sobering. You should listen to Pastor U. Ellen's teaching at 930 about sober living. That's a sobering thought right there. Now, you don't care about that if, you don't have, if you're not eternity-minded. You won't care about that. But the day will come, and you will be in eternity judged for your works and judged for idle words that we speak. Are you with me? You will always have opportunity to be led in what your faith declares. Many times these leadership methods of the Holy Spirit, the five that we talked about, will function in conjunction with one another, not isolated incidents, but many times they work together. And the Holy Spirit wants us to be sure that when we are learning his leadership, he wants us to be sure, and he will operate in different functions in conjunction with one another so that you can be sure. So that you can have more than one witness. You can have two witnesses, three witnesses on the same thing. Are you with me? Ephesians 5, verse 17. Let's run over there. Ephesians 5, 17. He says, so then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. So anytime you pray and say, oh God, if it's your will, you just said you have no idea what his will is. But yet he says, don't be foolish. See, that's a foolish prayer. He said, don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. To be foolish means to be without understanding. To be imprudent and unwise. Like the, uh, uh, the five uh, virgins that were foolish. They were without understanding, imprudent, and unwise. If you're living your life without a view of eternity, you're unwise. You're very unwise. Because if you're living your life for when you started breathing till you finished breathing, that's going to be the shortest span of your life. Why would you live for the shortest span of your life? Why not live in this span to prepare for eternity? Because eternity is going to last for eternity. <laughs> Amen. So he says, don't be foolish, but understand. Understand means to put things together. Put it all together. You know, the Bible says that you grow line upon line, precept upon precept, a little here, a little there. Now, when I first got saved, you know, and I, I could call myself a moron. Because of the way I thought. It's the Greek word moronia, which means foolish. That's where we get the word moron. And I was one. <laughs> and the reason I was foolish is because I started to get one or two concepts of the word of God and thought I knew everything. Oh, man, I got this stuff down, man. I tell you what, this is great. I mean, I need to go teach people, you know, <laughs> you know. My little finger, the tip of my finger, the nail on my pinky finger was bigger than what I knew. 
but I thought I was really a hot shot. You know. It was arrogance gone to seed. 42 years later, I realized, how did I make it this far? Thank you, Jesus. So to understand, you got to put things together. This doesn't happen with a service or two. This is a lifetime of putting things together. It's like collecting the pieces of a puzzle so that you can get the full picture. Have you ever gotten a thousand-piece puzzle? And you see the picture, and here's all the pieces. I like the eight-piece puzzles where the pieces are this big. <laughs> amen collecting the pieces of a puzzle and putting everything together because everything in the word of God works together you know it's like the Bible says that keeping faith and a good conscience for by neglecting these you will suffer shipwreck in your faith well, it's not only keeping faith so you don't shipwreck, but it's keeping a good conscience too. So he's talking about faith, but he's also talking about your character. Getting your character straight, that really affects your faith. But a lot of people don't think that. They don't see that. Well, you got to put that piece together. Are you with me? Proverbs twelve fifteen. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. You know, I can't tell you how many times I thought I was right <laughs> and I wasn't. Uh, it's the reality of life. There is a way of a fool that is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. So if we get off track, we need to admit it and not be a fool about it. Admit it and quit it. Isn't that right? It's like we talked about. I continue to go to Miami trying to get to Orlando. But I won't admit that I made a wrong turn. I won't admit I'm going in the wrong direction. Well, you'll never reach Orlando going in the direction you're going in. And you won't reach the goals of life going in the direction you're going in unless you change. Verse 28, I'm sorry, chapter 28, verse 26. It says, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. You know, you cannot trust an unbelieving heart. You just can't. You know, you say, well, my, I'm a believer. Well, what are you believing? You know, we're not talking about getting saved because we're talking about developing in a life. You know, there's one, you know, you can be saved by the faith, but then that righteous person now that by the faith got saved, now that righteous person has to live and learn to live by faith. So you can be a born-again believer. You can love Jesus and don't believe in healing. Well, that's an unbelieving heart in that area. You can be a born-again believer, love Jesus, and don't believe in prosperity. Well, that's an unbelieving heart in that area. 
You can be a believer, love Jesus, and not believe that a marriage is to be in union where we both talk about, uh, communicate, and get ideas off of each other and get into agreement on the direction we need to go. You might not believe that. You might think, I'm the man, I'm in charge, I, you do what I say. Well, that's fool gone to seed. Because we sound out in the other verse, the wise man walks in the council. And there is, for a man anyway, for both spouse, you know, the, the, the greatest counsel you can ever get is from your spouse. You know why? Because they know you. You may not admit you, but they do. Mine does. How have you stayed humble all your life, Pastor? I'm married. <laughs> okay. He who trusts in his own heart, that word heart actually means soul. It's your soul. You're not talking about your spirit. It's your soul. Your emotions, your own plans, and your own ideas. This can be a foolish route to go if you have not put the pieces together. You may have knowledge of one aspect of faith, but that doesn't mean you put it all together. And that doesn't mean you don't act on that aspect you have, but you're always looking to grow. Because you got a line, but now there's another line. You got a precept, but then there's another precept. There's glory, then there's more glory. There's faith, then there's more faith. And there's always that growing process. So counsel may very simply show us a missing piece that we need to grow into in order to complete the picture. Amen. Proverbs 24, 6. We'll get off the fool thing. Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise guidance you will wage war, and the abundance of counselors there is victory. In the abundance of counselors... There is victory, not the abundance of opinions, not the abundance of voices. Oh, well, you know, what's most people saying? Who cares? Do you remember when Paul was on the ship headed to Rome and they, the majority reached a vote? We should go on from here. And they got caught in the hurricane. Remember? I mean, there was a majority voice and the majority was wrong. It's not a majority of opinions. You know, it's not figuring out the statistics of what everybody's saying. What, what's the percentage that this is going to work? See, if it's God, you can have a 100% guarantee it's going to work. Yeah, but all the opinions we got, I mean, they're all Christians. Well, what if they have an unbelieving heart? Yeah. You can be an unbelieving believer, you know. So it's not about the majority and what the majority is saying. Right is right if nobody's doing it, and wrong is wrong if everybody's doing it. Don't allow pride to keep you from real counsel. Others may have already been on that spiritual path that you're on. Counsel don't come because somebody dealt with your diagnosis. Counsel don't come because somebody dealt with your financial condition. Counsel don't come because they dealt, somebody has dealt with your natural situation. 
If you look for somebody that's been in your natural condition, you will not get nothing but natural counsel. If it was based on somebody having your diagnosis or your financial condition or your natural situation, then Jesus could never have helped anybody. And yet he helped everybody. Why did Jesus help everybody? Because in the wilderness, he was tempted with all temptations. But there was only three temptations by the devil. That's because there's only three things in the world. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's the only three things. There is nothing else. There's all different wrappings, but there's only three things. And Jesus defeated the devil in all three things. And therefore, he could come to the aid of anybody, no matter what those things came wrapped in. Everybody's looking for, did you have my diagnosis? You're looking for a wrapping. Are you fi- dealing with my financial situation? You're looking at a wrapping. Are you, do you go through this natural stuff too? You're looking at a wrapping. And when you run to a wrapping for your answer, you're only going to get wrapped. If you want answers, you got to go to the person that knows beyond the wrapping and can see into the situation. Amen. We all have blind spots. Like driving, we all have blind spots. And guess what? They give you outside mirrors so you can do away with blind spots. If you set your mirrors right, you'll never have a blind spot when you drive. You don't need that little orange triangle or anything showing up in your mirror and going, oh, there's somebody over there. You don't know that? You don't have your mirrors set right? What are you doing driving with blind spots? Mirrors are a help so you have no blind spots. Mirrors are like counsel. They're there to help you so you can see more clearly, see more accurately, and make the right choices. If your mirrors are not set right, and you don't have the electronic stuff to tell you, oh, there's a blind spot, or you're beeping, or this is going off, or that's going off in the car... You'll have more crashes because you can't see right. I've known people that drive and they're going to go into the right lane and they use their rear view mirror. Is anybody over? You can't see if anybody's over there. What are you using a rear view mirror to make her go into the right lane for? That's ridiculous. But people do this. And then they get, the, oh, I need a big mirror so I can see. You still can't see everybody. You need the outside mirrors at the right angle so you could see over into that lane and that lane and you could see who's there. Here's what you do in case you've never done this. Drive down the road and watch somebody coming at you in your rear view mirror. And when it looks like they disappear in the rear view mirror, right away look at the outside mirror. Can you see them? If you can't see them, it's not adjusted right. You have a blind spot. Trying to help you. That can help you to avoid crashes in your driving. Well, counsel can help you avoid crashes in your life. Amen. It doesn't mean you're never going to have problems and troubles and trials. You can have answers in the middle of it. Proverbs 19, verse 20. Proverbs 19, 20. Listen to counsel and accept discipline, that you may be wise the rest of your days. Well, this is good for children. It's good for teenagers, right? Get counsel, get the discipline, 
and you'll be wise the rest of your days. But it's also for babes in Christ. It's also for one that's growing in faith. There are times that I, I've had to call uh, Dennis Burke on the phone or Terry Mize on the phone and talk to them about stuff. I've talked to them about adjustments that I've had to make in certain areas. Instruction helps us to make corrections. Maybe make a change in your course. Get back on track so you can have greater days ahead. Amen. You know, when I would get counsel from these guys, it would help me have better days ahead of me that I would take their counsel. If you make the correct decisions and the correct changes that you need to make when you're in Miami, if you'll change like you need to, you will ultimately get to Orlando. Amen. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31. I'm starting to bring this down. Don't zip up your Bible or shut down. We're not done yet. We're just seeing the the landing strip is ahead. The lights are not yet on. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31. Do you not know, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the heads of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. An exchange of weakness. This is not your, weak, your weakness being strengthened. This is an exchange where you're exchanging your very weakness for his very strength. The Apostle Paul said to the Lord about the thorn, about Satan that had attacked him every place he went. And he was complaining to the Lord about it three times. And the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because he could take on the strength of God's grace and give up the weaknesses. So he says, I'd rather boast in my weaknesses that the strength of the Lord, the grace of God would rest upon me because that's where the grace comes. Uh, That's where the strength comes from. Okay. It's an exchange, exchanging your weaknesses for his strength. And the key to it is those who wait for the Lord. It's actually wait upon the Lord. It's waiting upon him, not sitting down like you're waiting for a bus. Well, I'm just waiting for God to show up. No, it's not waiting like you're waiting for a bus. You're waiting upon him. Like if you go to the restaurant after church today, do you expect the server to sit on the side and look at you? Or do you expect them to come wait on you? And that's the way it is with the Lord. You wait on him. You wait upon him. You minister to him. You worship him. You spend time in his word. Spend time in the Holy Ghost. Spending time in his presence. Are you with me? Okay. That is a key. Because when you do those things, you twine together with him. Okay. And your weakness wraps around his strength. And you take on his strength. Glory to God. Psalm 54, 4. These are the things that will help you to stay on track. Get back on track. Isaiah 54, 4. Behold, God 
is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my soul. Yes, Psalm 54.4. So this is King David saying this. God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my soul. Now, he wrote this when King Saul was hunting him down to kill him. And in the midst of extreme difficulty, he says, God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my soul. And he praised God for being his helper, surrounding him. He was, he surround, God surrounded him with others that would help to strengthen him. This is why you, it's not the multitude of opinions that is your help. It's the multitude of counselors, those that God surrounds you with. You know, David's men, uh, <clears throat> later on, <clears throat> came back to Ziklag, the city, to find out that it was burned, that him and his warriors, all their possessions were stolen, their wives and their children were taken captive. And all of David's men even wanted to stone him. You know, at that point, <clears throat> you don't have much help. <laughs> But it says David encouraged himself. You know, there's times you need to encourage yourself and get before the Lord. And he went before the Lord and he prayed. Isn't that right? You know, and just like the Apostle Paul, he said, at my first defense, nobody stood with me, but the Lord stood with me. So there are times that they're there and there's times that they're not. But David was thanking God right here for those that was around him to strengthen him. God will put people in your life. And they're filled with wisdom. And if you'll listen, they'll speak into your life exactly what you need to hear at the right time. With pastoring, it happens on a regular basis. And most of the time, it's from the pulpit. But you have to pay attention. Amen. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. <clears throat> but woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. There'll be times in our life, each of us, when we're going to run off course and end up in a ditch. And that's on those occasions that we really come to understand the blessing of having others in our lives. You know, there's many times <clears throat> within my own marriage, if I'm down, pass the nids up, pass the nids down, then I'm up. And we're there to lift each other back up again, you know. And we need friends on our level as well as healthy, godly leaders to be submitted to. It's all about being equally yoked. You know, and I've said this many times. Now, I've even said this back in my 40s, all right? 30 years ago, I used to say this, that if anything ever happens to Pastor Nid, it's going to be very hard to get remarried again. Because equally yoked doesn't mean you just married another Christian. You've got to be kidding me. I don't need to be marrying somebody that doesn't agree with anything that we teach. I don't need to be marrying somebody that's born again but don't believe in being filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't need to be marrying somebody that doesn't believe in going in ministry. I don't need to be marrying somebody that's not going to come at my side and stand together and go in the direction God has us to go. This is not going to be like, oh, I'm going to get remarried and you just sit down and stay home and I'll take care of everything. you got to be kidding me. 
I might as well just slit my throat. I'm serious. That is so ridiculous. People think they're equally yoked because they're Christians. Come on, give me a break. And this is what we do. We go out and get counsel from anybody and everybody because they're a Christian. But yet they got unbelieving hearts. And you're accepting this as your counsel. Because they've been in your natural situation, dealing with your financial problems, has your kind of diagnosis. I get onto the website and I check out, you know, the medical reports and who has the same diagnosis that I have and what did you do? You got to be kidding me. What's wrong with us? Are we believers or not? <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hebrews 13, 17 in the Amplified Seed version, Amp C version. Hebrews 13, 17. It says, obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, continually recognizing their authority over you. For they are constantly keeping watch over your souls and guarding your spiritual welfare as men who have to render an account of their trust. Do your part to let them do this with gladness and not with sighing and groaning, for that would not be profitable for you either. Okay, so as spiritual leaders, we have a responsibility before God. Now he's saying, submit to your spiritual leader. Now let me just tell you this. The word submission does not mean obey. Just like wives submit to your husbands, that does not mean obey. If you think it means obey, you ought to be punched in the face. No, I'm just kidding. You know, <laughs> amen. Did I get an amen over here? I heard a woman say amen. No, submission is not obedience. Children are to obey their parents. That's obedience. That needs because children are not on the same level as parents. But with spouses, they are on the exact same level, and it's not about obedience. Submission actually means respect your husband. That's what it means. But as pastors and leaders, we have been entrusted by God with the responsibility to watch over your spiritual health and development. You know, even if the Lord would have me to go back and teach something that I've taught before, I don't just go back to my notes and read them over. I restudy again. Because now I'm going to teach it at this point rather than at that point. So things may have increased. Revelation has improved. We've gone down further down. So I'm going to restudy everything. And the things that I may have notated in my notes, I'm going to go back and check those references and make sure that they are right. Because it's a responsibility before God. That every time I get up here, every time I meet with you in the office, wherever it might be, we have to counsel or whatever it might be, you know. It's going to be with a view of eternity and responsibility before God. Are you with me? Rather than having a frustrated attitude and resisting input, God wants you to submit to the leadership that you've been placed in. Not everybody's placed in the same leadership. Good leaders love you and want what's best for you. You know, I don't know 
whether you consider Pastor Nid and I good leaders, but we do love you, and we want the best for you. Amen. Our heart cries and yearns that you would take hold of what the Word of God's declaring and get those things working in your life. That it would not just be a, a mental uh, flesh works of trying to work it, but that you'd catch it in your spirit and become what the Word says. When you're willing to listen, words of wisdom can help you recover from setbacks and get you back on track again. Amen. I mean, I, there were times I've gone, I've gone off track, and I knew I was off track, and I was on my way to an ICFF convention some years ago, and I said, God, I need to hear something at this convention. I need to hear something that's going to be helpful. And you know what I heard for the whole convention? I mean, the whole convention, this is all I heard. Get in the Word, pray in the Holy Ghost. Get in the Word, pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm like, God, I know that. And of course, the Lord, you know how He is. Maybe you ought to do it. You know? Yeah, you know, okay. Sometimes the answers aren't always what we think we should get, but you're either going to try to get them to agree with you, and if you want them to agree with you, then why bother? You already agree with you. Yeah. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Philippians 3, 13 and 14, back in the New American Standard. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. All right, the word forgetting means do not recall it, don't recall the information. It doesn't mean forget it like I just don't think about it. It means do not recall it. Recall. You know, you, have you ever done things where you recalled information and thought about it and pondered it over and over again? That's recall. So what he's saying is, when he said, I forget, it means I don't think about it. I don't meditate on the past, whether it's su successes or mistakes. I'm not going to give myself to those things because you can't change it. Your successes yesterday will not help you today or tomorrow. Your failures yesterday will not hinder you today or tomorrow. If you need to know why something didn't work or why did something work better than it did other times, you're never going to figure it out. So you might as well just forget about it. You can just lay it out before the Lord and say, Lord, I just need to know why this didn't work or why it did work or what was the deal here. You know, just need to ask the Holy Spirit as needed. Because he said, what does he say? I don't recall the past. So in other words, I'm not looking back, trying to figure all this stuff out while I'm trying to go forward. You can't move forward by looking back. If you look back, all you're going to do is stay back. Your life will never improve and increase by looking back. You must continue to look forward. If you're always looking back, you're going to run into a wall. You're going to fall off a cliff. Something's going to happen because you're not watching where you're going. There's traps, the, the snares that the enemy sets up for you. But if you're not looking where you're going, you're going to fall in. Well, what do I do about the past? Nothing. You can't do anything about the past. It's over. It's done. It's finished. Move on. Well, that's easy for you to say. Really? What was my past like? Do you know? We've all had to move on because we've all 
had a past. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27. All right, the landing lights are coming on. We're getting closer. The landing gear is down. Fastening our (laughs) seatbelts. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27. He says, let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. See, if you're looking back, you can't look at where you're going. He wants us focused on what he has set us to do. Not looking back, not looking all around, not being distracted, not wandering, but on track, moving in purpose and with purpose. He don't want us busy. He don't want you busy. He wants you fulfilling his will. We have a way of being busy with stuff. And that busy stuff can rob us from the things we need to be doing that will really fulfill our life. Your being busy will not fulfill your life. Only walking in what God has set you to do will fulfill you in life. It is the greatest fulfillment of life there is. Doing something good can rob us of the opportunity to do what is best. So check yourself and see if you're on track. Amen. All right, Joshua 1.7, and we will close here. Joshua 1.7. We've landed. We're pulling up to the gate. We're taxiing. (laughs) Joshua 1.7. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. And that the same thing he said in Proverbs, don't turn to the right or to the left. Why? Because success is on the track that God has set. The, the steps of a good man are order of the Lord. It's the steps of success. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Stay on track. But you got to be strong and courageous to do as he gives you to do. Don't be distracted. Be focused. Stay on course. And this takes a strength. Because there's so many things that wants to pull on us because of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And those three things are always, always, always pulling. Verse 8. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, for then, for then, you will make your way. You will make your way. You will make your way prosperous. And then you will have success. So God doesn't say if you'll do these things, then I will come and make your life prosperous. And I will come and make your life success. No, that's not what he said. He said you will make your way and you will make success. By meditating on the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God, being the law of God, is the path of God. And that's the path where fatness drips on you. Amen. The Word is to be in front of us. I can't keep the Word in front of me if I'm always looking back. The Word of God has to be forefront in our thinking. So that we can follow behind the Word. Well, it takes strength and courage to stay on course to do the will of God. Amen. 
I've had many, many reasons, opportunities, confrontations to be able to not do what the Word of God says. And I would have to, on the inside of me, actually fight with myself while I'm in the middle of a situation. I might even be talking face-to-face -face with somebody, but on the inside, I am fighting with myself. Because my flesh wants to do one thing, my emotions want to do another thing, but my spirit is saying, this is what the Word of God says. Choice. Make a choice. Make a choice. And it screams louder and louder. Make a choice. Make a choice. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Did I always get it right? No. Why? Because I lack strength. People think that walking in the things of God is a weak man's gospel. No. It's a strong man's gospel. It's easy to go the way of the flesh. It's easy to get in a canoe and just go down the river in the way that the current is going. That's easy. It's easy to head to hell. If God wasn't real, I wouldn't be in church. I wouldn't be giving tithes. I wouldn't be giving any money. I wouldn't certainly be giving any time. You know where I'd be? I'd be out where I was back in my 20s. I'd be out living the way that I was back then, on the way to hell, going down the river of the world, walk, going in the flow the way everything else was going, giving myself to the things of the flesh, and just letting the world take me. But it took strength to turn the boat around. It takes courage to start going against the stream. Be a salmon. Swim upstream. Amen. Well, the more word you get in you, the stronger you'll get. You're not going to get strong just by praying in the Holy Ghost. You're not going to get strong just by whatever, positive thinking, the right way, the right words. No, you don't get strong unless the word of God gets in you. And I'm talking about strength of spirit. I'm not talking about strength of flesh. Strength of spirit comes. If you're not strong in the day of adversity, there wasn't much of you to begin with. That's what it says in Proverbs. I didn't make that up. So that strength and that courage that comes from the Word of God. That's why he says meditate. Meditate on the Word. Give yourself to the Word of God. As we run our race and do what God calls us to do, there's going to be opportunities to be discouraged, opportunities to be afraid, opportunities to be dismayed by what we see, what we hear, and what we feel. And this is what Joshua faced as he was headed into the promised land and looking at Jericho. Verse 9. And he says, the Lord says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Hallelujah. Well, has God commanded you to be strong and courageous? Has he commanded you that? You know, you know in the natural, you know, you could say, I'm going to be strong and courageous, you know, but unless you go work out or do something, you're not going to gain any more strength. You got to be strong and courageous. You know, even a police officer that has the right to carry a weapon needs courage to pull that trigger. This doesn't just happen. 
You know, there's plenty of people that have had weapons and fumbled with them, dropped them, because they didn't have the courage to use them. Are you with me? Strength and courage. Strength and courage. Well, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Well, what is the greatest source of that? Knowing that the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever we go, the Lord our God is with us. Gives you great peace. If you're aware of it. If you're focused on it. If you pay attention to that. God always has our interest at heart. Our best interest at heart. He always has our best interest at heart. Isn't that right? When we trust in him with all of our heart instead of leaning on our own understanding, then he can direct our path. He'll make your path straight. Amen. He'll use people to reach you. He'll use people to help you. He'll be your supernatural GPS guidance leading you through the voice of the word of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit, through your human spirit. He'll lead you with others. He'll lead you through leaders. And he'll lead you even through your own faith. He wants to lead you in life. And he's given you every kind of weapon so you can be successful in the things you set your hand to. In walking in the will and purposes of God. Amen. 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 Well, just bow your head for a minute. Hallelujah. So maybe you have gotten off track. Maybe there's things you could say, yeah, there there are things that I know the Lord's told me, but I've really backed away from those things. And that's the first step is to admit it. Then you have to make a decision to quit it. And you have to look to the Holy Spirit. If you lack wisdom, ask of God and he'll give it to you liberally and without reproach. And ask him, how do I get back on track? Don't assume for a moment that you know how. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you in that area. It was not listening to him that got you off track. Well, not listening to him won't get you back on track. So just repent. Turn around. Turn it around. So whatever it was you're facing, whatever it was you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, just turn from it and then wait for direction from the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit with his guidance will help us get back on track. And you can give yourself to his leading you through the impressions of the Word of God, through nudgings in your spirit, to speaking within you, through spiritual leaders, and through faith. He can help to direct you to get back on track again. Because He's more than enough. He is with you always. He'll never leave you. Amen? If you could have done it on your own, the Holy Ghost would have stayed home. But he came because he knew. And this is why Jesus, as he's ascending into heaven, says to his disciples, go into all the world. It wasn't that he had confidence in those people. He has the confidence in the Holy Spirit to accomplish it. If we could have done it on our own, the Holy Spirit would have stayed home. But God wants you to succeed. And he's given you his word and his Holy Spirit to do that amen amen so with your head bowed live stream those on podcast we just come before the Lord right now maybe you're listening 
to this on an archive. Maybe it's the middle of the night and you've come across us online and you're listening to the message. And maybe you've never received Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior. But Jesus died for you. He shed his blood for you. He paid the price that you could not pay. It was beyond what any of us could afford. But Jesus paid the price so that you could be free from sin and that you did not have to go into a devil's hell. All you have to do is accept the sacrifice that Jesus paid for you so that you could be free from sin. And it's not about trying to make up for what you've done wrong. It's not about trying to be a better person. It's about accepting Jesus. He's the one that's paid the price. He's the one that's done it all. He's the one that has qualified you for salvation. And all you have to do is receive him. The word of God says if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and you declare it, that, he's, that God has raised him from the dead, then the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body. He'll move into you, and he'll make you a brand new creature in Christ. He'll wash away all the sins of the past and make you perfectly clean and whole and well before your God. That you'll become a child of God, heaven will become your home, and eternity will be set for you because Jesus is Lord of your life. For the one that owns heaven will move inside of you, and he will be your key card to get in to the great eternity of God. Amen. Just accept Jesus and he'll make all things new. Amen. Hallelujah. It's so easy. He's made it so easy. There's no working involved. It's just receiving. I'm so glad that when I go to Golden Corral this afternoon, I don't, I don't have to go in the back and cook the chicken. I don't have to go back and steam the broccoli. Everything's already made, already done. All I have to do is partake of what's provided. Jesus has already provided salvation. He's done all that was required. He's even qualified you, Thank you Lord. to take hold of it and walk in it. Because he loves you. He loves you. Every single one of us. We're loved of God greater than we could ever know. Amen? Father, we bless you. We honor you, Lord God. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Thank you, Lord, that you always have our best interest before you. Jesus, you said that Father God loves every single one of us so much that he was willing to give of his son to die for us, to pay our price so that we could be free. And your word says that since Father has freely given us the Lord Jesus Christ, Shall he not in him freely give us all things? Thank you, Lord, that the kingdom is ours. You've given us the kingdom. You've given us all that you have and all that you are so that we can partake of your life and life more abundant. We thank you for that, Father, and we bless you and praise you. Lord, as we come before you with our tithes and with our offerings, we do so, Father, with a very grateful, thankful heart. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we even have this opportunity to come before you, to worship you and honor you 
with the substance of our life. We come gladly, cheerfully, and joyfully, Lord. For it is a great privilege to come before the great God and worship him in our giving. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Folks online, thanks again for being with us today. We sure do pray that the word of God has touched you right where you're at, brought increase into your thinking, into your perception, and little tweak some things in your life so that you can more and more press into and take hold of what God has provided for you so that your days ahead of you can be better than the days that were behind you. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, and click on the giving link. And I thank you in advance for any seed that you would sow. And if there's anything at all, as we always say, anything at all that we can pray with you about, stand with, with you before the Lord, just let us know. It's an honor and a privilege to believe God for your needs to be met. Amen.